Hello, my friend. This is Pat Boone, and just like you, I'm listening to On Faith Edge with Joe Taylor. If you think about a servant or a slave, basically your relationship with God is that you obey Him. He's your master. And, but He changes it. He says, I no longer call you servant. I call you friend. And if you think about, <laughs> I like getting together with my friends, not just when it's tough. I like getting together with them when I want to have fun, um, when I want to enjoy life. Oh my gosh, was that Pat Boone? <laughs> Last time I saw Pat Boone, we were at a National Religious Broadcasters Convention, and he was literally being stalked by a group of 20-somethings. At 80-something years old, Pat Boone still has it. Thank you to the legendary Pat Boone for the introduction. Hi, welcome to the 77th episode of On Faith's Edge. My name is Joe Taylor, recovering atheist and your servant in Jesus Christ. This is your place to hear conversations about God and living a life of faith in Jesus Christ. Today's guest is author and speaker Sue Detweiler. She has been with us before, and her most recent book, Women Who Move Mountains, brings her back to the show. Sue Detweiler is a wife, mother of six, author and pastor with more than 25 years of experience in marriage, ministry and education. She is also a popular speaker who shares her heart and wisdom internationally on issues related to marriage, family, women, prayer, leadership and ministry. Women who move mountains praying with confidence, boldness and grace will inspire you to develop an intimate friendship with God through prayer and Bible study. It's filled with testimonies of women who have overcome toxic situations to become powerful women of prayer. In today's conversation, we learn about the interesting twist that led her to give her life to Christ, how months of her mother's praying saved Sue and her daughter from a tragic fire. We learn of the barrier that brokenness may put between you and God. Sue challenges me personally about my prayer life and my transparent response. Sue reveals a very personal struggle and the exciting plans God put on her heart to address that struggle, and how boldness and humility are not exclusive of each other. You know, something I, I noticed uh, when I was kind of looking back through previous notes and our, our time together at a couple conferences is I don't think we've ever talked about how you, be, how you came to believe in Jesus Christ. How did you, how did you become a Christian? I was 12 years old. And I was in a vacation Bible school, and it so happened that my teacher of vacation Bible school had been led to the Lord by my grandmother. And so here he was, he knew me, he remembers, in fact, praying with my grandparents through the night for all the children's salvation. So he had participated years before praying for me, and now here I am, 12 years old. And, you know, I had had some tough things happen to me, Joe, and I, I had um, suffered through some abuse. Um, and because of that, I felt really unworthy. Um, I would tend to hang my head. Um, I would feel a bit insecure, like most 12-year-olds 12 12 do. Um, 
And he just presented the gospel in such a way that it made sense. And he talked about that none of us are worthy in ourselves. It's Jesus that comes, and because of his shed blood, um, he died to reconcile us and to bridge that gap that none of us could bridge. Um, and I remember my heart beating really hard and, you know, that sense of the Holy Spirit drawing me and then then praying that prayer of just repenting of my sins and asking for the Holy Spirit to come in. Um, and that, that sense of uh, regeneration that happens, that, that joy that you feel, even as a 12-year-old. Um, and this man, um, he ended up having me share in front of the whole congregation my testimony of coming to Christ. So within a couple days of coming to know Jesus, I was sharing my faith. Isn't it interesting that the person who brought you to Christ, Mm -hmm. you said was brought to Christ by your grandmother? Yes. That's crazy, man. (laughs) Yeah, my grandmother and my grandfather had just a powerful experience with God later in life. And what happened is um, my my grandfather liked to ride horses, and he had a little open carriage, and he took a horse for a ride. Well, something scared the horse, and it ended up backing over a bridge that had a creek bed below. So down falls my, you know, the cart, my grandfather, and the horse on top of him. And so there he is laying uh, near death. And they had those old type of road graders. I don't know if you've ever been on a gravel road, but they they grade the, the road and the road grader had gone by and didn't stop. But you know how the Holy Spirit is, just prompted the man to turn around, get off of his equipment, look over the creek bed to see what what had happened there. And that's when he found my grandfather. And so they rushed him to the hospital and they called all the family and said, he's going to die. And, and they had been reading together in James. And so they called, um, and they were Mennonite. I don't know if your listeners know Mennonites, but, um, pretty conservative um, believers in Jesus. And, and they called the elders and they had him bring oil and they anointed him with oil and prayed for his healing. And I don't think they'd ever done that before, but basically God healed my grandpa. And not only did he live, but he walked. And the next eight years of his life, the final part of his life, He and my grandmother were just white hot for God, and they believed in the power of prayer like never before. And they'd been in church before that, but this power encounter with God changed them. So that's when my grandmother led um, uh, Bob Anderson, who was a teenager at the time, to the Lord 
and they held um, prayer meetings in their home, just crying out to God for revival. How was your faith through your teenage years? Mm-hmm. How did your how did how was how important was your faith uh, through your throughout your teenage years? Did you were you did you hold tight to your faith, or did you as a teenager did you wane from it? That's a that's a great question. Overall, I held tight to it. Um, but there was a process. Um, when I was saved, for example, um, I had really bad language. I don't know where I picking it, picked it up, but I swore. And I remember how difficult it was. And I prayed about, you know, help me stop cussing. Um, you know, so that transformation. And then um, I became known as somebody that loved God. And I didn't really understand how much of an influence I had until I was a couple years older and I was in the ninth grade and I was reading through the Bible um, at night. I remember it because I had a reach out Bible, you know, and and I was struggling the night before a party that I had been invited to. And I really heard the Holy Spirit say, don't go to that party. And yet, you know how you are at those moments when you want to fit in. And I remember as a ninth grader wanting to fit in, going to that party, making a whole series of mistakes. Um, and afterwards, how many people came to me disappointed because I was one that they had looked up to and, and that, you know, my indiscretion had bothered them. Mm. And, and I just, I never knew how much impact I was making as a Christian. So that, that would be the main time (laughs) I fell away. And after that, I, I just, um, continue to grow in God. I led Bible studies at the school. Um, I was also still in high school when I met my husband. Uh, not many people know this, but I was 17 years old, and he was a young youth pastor, and we were didn't live in the same area. But um, he asked my parents if he could court me. So my husband's eight and a half years older than I am. And, and, you know, you have, um, you're courting someone that's a pastor. That's going to encourage you to live for God. (laughs) So, you know, I was, I I was, I was listening to this story, Sue, and I couldn't help but think of a, of a potential title of a new book, nine traits of a cursing Christian. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you know you really could you really could think of the the insecurity sure. and the pride and the you know you, you could list those nine traits pretty easily that's funny well i asked i asked sue back on the show today to talk about her new book women who move mountains praying with confidence boldness and grace she opens the book with an intense story of how prayer saved her life and the life of her newborn daughter. Sue, tell us about this event and how it led to your book. It really was an event that changed my life. 
my husband and I had, um, we were church planting and newly married and we had a brand new baby, five weeks old. Uh, and so we had gotten home from vacation and I put her to bed in her crib and she woke up in the, in the night and I was fast asleep and she was screaming and it was a different type of scream. And I remember trying to get to her. Now, every mom knows you can walk to your child's room in the middle of the night and it's dark. You can find your way. But I got turned around in the closet and I was disoriented. I didn't know what was happening. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't see. I was coughing. And I I ended up making my way across the other direction and I felt the window pane, put my window up and realized my house was on fire. And I had no ability to get to my newborn baby. I mean, I was too disoriented. Um, And, you know, in those times you think, wow, I would know what to do to get out of a fire. But now what I realize is most people die from smoke inhalation. Um, And it, it dulls your senses and puts you to sleep. And so um, I literally dropped to my knees, Joe, and I, I prayed that prayer that everyone prays when they say, help. And, and so by the grace of God, my husband, who had gone to the church after getting home from vacation to check and make sure that everything was ready for the next day, um, imagine how he felt when he came home. And the whole sky was lit up and, and a whole crowd of people had gathered and the house that had been next to us under construction, it had completely burned to the ground in about 30 minutes. And, you know, there were several houses on fire and, and Wayne just ran and went to the firemen and said, did you get my wife and baby out? Um, but the firemen had been told by the neighbors that there was no one in our house. And so he just dropped the hose and, and they ran and, and Wayne was able to get um, Rachel joy out who was five weeks old. And the firemen came and, and really there was a, a flashlight in his hand and it looked like a tiny pin light. And he said, come towards the light. And that's when he rescued me out of that burning house. Well, the power of prayer really became evident to us as they, they rushed us to the hospital. They were treating my daughter and I for smoke inhalation. And after, after a couple of hours, we picked up the phone and, and we called my mom. And she said, oh, you're the ones I've been praying for. And God had put it on her heart to take a month of time and to fast and to pray. And the scripture she was meditating on was Isaiah 43, which part of it is, you shall go through the fire and you will not be burned. The flames shall not consume you. And when she told us that, I just had this sense in my heart that that we had been spared from the fire 
because of my mother's prayers. And I learned the power of prayer. And I also wanted to become a woman that prayed with power like my mother. It leads you to really think about when God puts something on your heart, how serious that is to have the Holy Spirit lead you in that direction and, 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 mm-hmm. and listen and listen for his voice and listen for those little proofs that, that God is there. The book, Women Who Move Mountains, what's, what's significant about that title? Uh, I, well, I can't take any credit for the, the title. It, we have a great publisher, Baker Publishing Group, and they're the ones that chose the title and the cover. And when I saw it, it took my breath away. It just took my breath away. And, it, you know, for the listener who may not see the cover, it's a, it's a little woman and there are no mountains in sight. And what I love about it is that little tiny woman has pushed those mountains over. <laughs> and I, if, uh, if you're not aware of the scripture from Mark that Jesus said to his disciples, he said to them, if you have faith, as small as a mustard seed, you can speak to these mountains, move, and they will be moved into the sea. And and Jesus talked about how nothing is impossible with God. Um, so that, that phrase, women who've moved mountains, really has to do with the fact that all of us have mountains in our lives. We have things that are immovable. Um, they, that we struggle against and we toil against and, and the power of God in us, um, that we really become mountain movers, um, by God's grace. Give us an overview of women who move mountains and what we can expect from the book. Well, I just hope every listener goes out and gets this book. <laughs> you can get it on audio. <laughs> you can hear my voice read it. Um, it, it, it is a, a fabulous book. And if you're a part of a woman's group or always wanted to be a part of a woman's group, it's also a great book to go together with other women. Um, every title, every chapter, I start out with a story as powerful as the one that I just shared. And these are different women that have overcome difficult things. So I know that the, the reader will be able to really relate to the women's stories. And, and there may be one more than the other that just feels like it captures their own life situation. And then each chapter looks at a biblical woman someone, a woman from the Bible that overcame um, and walked in that power of prayer. Um, And then every other chapter, Joe, is a Bible study. And I'm so excited about that. Mm. Um, And, you know, not to feel, it's, it's really like a journey. So if you've been wanting to grow in your prayer life, um, there's something about getting in scripture, that if you know who God is from scripture, it's going to change how you pray. 
Um, so I, I lead through um, uh, just a process of, of Bible study, and then I look at, in each uh, chapter, you know, how do you, how do you overcome areas of, of brokenness and become whole? And I, I talk about the lies, and then I talk about the truth. Um, and then included in it are stories of um, and ways in which if you want to lead a group, you can lead a group. And even if you've never done it, all you have to do is pick up the, the book and, you know, lead the discussion questions. And, and online at SueDoutWeiler.com, I've got a video that goes with each chapter, as well as icebreakers and different resources like that. It's going to change their lives. I know it will. You know, Joe, one thing I, I, I didn't describe is that that was the, the first part of the book. And then what I do is I take the reader on 21 days, reading scripture, meditating on a thought, and then I give a guide within it of if you want to take a spiritual uh, retreat and talk about how to take that spiritual retreat. And then I talk about if you want to fast, talk about that. And then as a free resource, um, because really we wanted every single person to be able to get this, I wrote an ebook called Five Steps of Grace. And it really is a process of spiritual deliverance. And it, it leads you through biblical prayers, ways that you can overcome and become a woman that moves mountains. You say in the book that your own brokenness uh, or our own brokenness uh, prevents us from coming to God. How did you let God bring healing to your heart and how is prayer and how is that prayer important to this? A prayer is not something that it's, has to be formal. You don't have to dress up. It's so much of prayer is being in constant conversation with God. Uh, but the the problem with brokenness is all of us have experienced it. All of us have experienced pain, unresolved issues in our lives, unforgiveness. All sorts of things break us. Um, I I was amazed when I was interviewing for this, this book, how many women have been abused in one sort of way, whether sexual abuse or physical abuse or manipulation and control. I was just amazed. And, and so we all have brokenness. And the problem is, is you're going to look at God through those broken lenses. And so so if you were abused as a, a child, you could look through the lenses at God where, where you're like, God, where were you? Why didn't you save me? Or if you experienced a, a child's death or a loved one passed and you're, and you're angry about it, there's, if, if you have any sort of brokenness in your life, um, it can cause you to feel rejected. It can cause you 
to feel insecure. Um, it, it can go the other direction where it makes you feel entitled or proud. Mm. Um, but all of those things, um, they really are barriers to our prayer life uh, because God so desirous that we would become like him. And so if you think about it, when you come to Christ, you get to receive Jesus. <laughs> but once you pray, you become like Jesus. And prayer really is that journey of becoming like God and hearing his voice and walking in his word, his will, and his ways. So why don't we pray more as Christians? Oh, Joe, I should ask you that question. Joe, why don't you pray? That, that's, I'm, I'm what, glad, what I'm glad you asked that question. You? I want to answer your question. Sometimes I don't, this is going to sound strange coming from a believer. Sometimes I don't think God hears. Sometimes I just feel like I'm talking to air because mm -hmm. there's not that physical interaction. It just seems like something you do. I'm going to be honest, Sue, as a last resort, Go ahead. as a last resort, you think, well, I'm just uh -huh. kind of getting through life. Yeah. I'm doing my thing. Oh boy, this has happened. Fill in the blank with fill in that blank. Then all of a sudden you're reaching out to the almighty creator of the universe for help. Other times you just feel you're just kind of going through life and you're not sure. Yeah. Okay. Is this, is this really what it is? Am I really having a conversation with God? And so you just, you, you just mm -hmm. let it slip. There's a lot of listeners that can really identify with what you've just said. And um, I think a lot of people feel like their prayers bounce off the ceiling or they've been praying about one particular issue and that mountain is not moving. And so they get frustrated or disappointed and just, you know, they put all their eggs in that basket. So they just want to give up. And I think one of the things that I hope happens with this book becoming like a springboard for people to just have an intimate encounter with God, I pray that it will be more about coming into God's presence and intimacy with Him. You know, in John 15, um, Jesus talks about really abiding with Him. You know, that we can do nothing without him and that he's the vine, we're the branches and, and his life giving sustenance comes through, but we've got to be connected to him. And then later on in the chapter, he starts talking about, you know, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. And that's really significant because if you think about a servant or a slave Basically, your relationship with God is that you obey him. He's your master. And, but he changes it. He says, I no longer call you servant. I call you friend. And if you think about, uh, I like getting together with my friends, not just when it's tough. I like getting together with them when I want to have fun. Um, when I want to enjoy life. And if, if we really pursue that friendship and that intimacy with God, um, 
not only will he bring comfort when we're going through emotional turmoil or pain, but we will be, what will happen, Joe, I believe, is that there will be this purposeful transformation where you're walking step by step with God and you can hear him say, turn right, turn left, share this. Um, and I think that is so much fun. It is so much fun having a friend guide my day and my path um, and that I'm not alone um, and that he's there. And and you got to be open to that. You have to be open to trust God and trust the Holy Spirit that when you hear that, that little voice that says, turn right, turn left, talk to that person, ask Sue why we don't pray more. You have to, you have to trust God. You have to trust yes. God to, to, okay, let's see mm-hmm. what happens. Let's, let's, yeah. let's see what happens. And you brought up, you brought up the idea of being transformed in chapter yeah. 11, the chapter titled, I am transformed, uh, replacing sadness mm-hmm. with joy. You give us insight when you say, uh, transformation doesn't happen until we realize that we need a change in our lives. Sometimes the deepest yeah. sorrow is over those things that we are powerless to change, like the death of someone we love. Other times, it is realizing that our lives need more purpose and direction. How do any of us know how to how do any of us know how to recognize those mm-hmm. things that you are powerless to change from mm-hmm. the from the things that uh, from the times our lives need more purpose and direction? Well, I think about my friend who shares her story at the beginning of that chapter. Um, Her name is Marta. And I never would have guessed because now she's a missionary, a Bible teacher, an author. I mean, she is a powerhouse. But I felt led to ask her about her story. And she came to Christ on an abortion table. She had just had, I I think it was her fourth abortion, and she's laying there and she has an encounter with God because she'd been raised in church, but she had been abused as a little girl and never shared that with her parents and that hurt had turned into rebellion and and she'd been living with a guy and just kind of living the life they had several houses and, 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 you know, she didn't even feel like she needed God, but when (laughs) her situation changed and she'd not just aborted one child, but she'd had multiple, she had, had killed her babies and God spoke to her and he said, you know, there are three men in the Bible that were murderers like you are. Moses, Paul, David, and God spoke to her and just said, you know, just like I changed their lives, I can change yours. And she basically was at the end of her rope, gave up and came to Christ and surrendered and had a turnaround. And then the man that 
that picked her up, you know, she had just aborted his baby. He became her husband. And two years later, he was saved as well. And, but I, I think that those, your, your opening question had to do with, you know, when do we have that transformation? Often it starts with something that's really, really tough. And we know we have to change and, and we can't do it ourselves that we turn to God. You know, um, I have an issue that I, I've been struggling with in my life, um, that, that I'm just believing that it be one of those mountains get, that get moved. Cause I, I think it's important. It's, it's not just when you're coming to Christ. But all through our lives, we have these places that are hard and that an area for me has to do with weight loss. And um, I went through a perfect storm with my health and gained a whole bunch of weight and have just struggled with trying to get this weight off. And I realized just last week, I realized that I had given up. You know how your mind just stops and you just think, okay, this is as good as it gets. (laughs) And I realized that I had just stopped fighting and stopped believing. And, and, you know, out of my mouth would come things like, well, you know, I I just can't lose weight. And then then I, I realized, well, God wants me healthy. And that God, God has a way for me to be healthy at this age and stage, and that I had been believing a lie, that I couldn't move this mountain of my weight. And, and it's, it's amazing sometimes how those lies creep in, no matter how long we've known the Lord. And those are the types of things that, that we need God's help for transformation, for real change from the inside out. This is something that God put on your heart last week. Mm-hmm. What actions did God put on your heart related to that? If it's not too personal. No, it's not too personal. The Lord spoke to me about creating an opportunity for others that want to lose weight. And so I've actually begun to do some videos preparing for that and some Bible studies preparing for that. Um, but that's not ready to be launched yet. Um, but just the listener can know that that's coming. <laughs> you know, I was, I was so going to say, so, they struggled with it. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, you know, what's going to happen after you, uh, after, uh, you lose this weight and through God have victory over this mountain. Uh, you know, you're going to write a book, right? I know that that's going to be one of my books. And really what he's put on my heart, Joe, uh, is more than a book. It's more like, I believe I'm supposed to create a a community of support and create a way that, that women can support each other through the process and bring the word of God to bear. So I'm already working on that, but I'm living it out first. Um, so if you're a listener, just pray for me. Pray for me in this area. <laughs> we will. And there's so 
many that have overcome and there's so many great resources out there, but somehow it's got to go from your head to your heart for that transformation to take place. So give us a, a brief overview of the, of the topics of this book. Well, these topics are things that every listener has dealt with. It, it has to do with transforming fear into faith or transforming rejection into calling. Uh, all of us have felt rejected before. And it's amazing to me that the very place that we may have suffered that rejection, God has a calling on our lives to make a difference first in our life and then to be a difference maker. There's also um, a, a chapter that talks about being healed and transforming brokenness into wholeness and transforming shame into grace. I was amazed at, as I was interviewing how many women just suffered through shame. And shame um, really accuses who you are. It attacks your very essence. It, it causes you to hang your head. And really, that's transformed with the power of God's grace. Another topic that, that I've just seen a lot of women struggle with, and a lot of mothers, <laughs> a lot of working women struggle with anxiety, things that keep you up at night and needing just a real transformation uh, into God's peace. Another topic um, is just plain sadness and sorrow and dealing with that. And how do we walk in a joy that's transformative? We know that the joy of the Lord is our strength from Scripture. We know that. But how do we take it from our head to our heart? Another Another topic um, in Women Who Move Mountains, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm opening the book if you hear the rustling of the pages. <laughs> um, another one that a lot of women deal with is perfectionism, you know, where they feel like they've got to be perfect. And, you know, the thing that, that as I um, interviewed um, different people, and Amy Carroll shared her story of just perfectionism, and, and the breakthrough for her really came by coming into God's presence. And when we come into His presence, um, none of us are perfect, um, and yet all of us are welcome in His presence, and anything is possible with God. So we overcome that perfectionism really through that intimate walk with God. Another topic has to do with entitlement. Um, and Americans today are so entitled. Um, it's amazing. We, we feel like we deserve everything. But, but God's walk is humility. And entitlement can really trip us up. Um, and, and God leads us to walk, walk in a way of uh, being humble servants. And then right after that, I talk about overcoming timidity with boldness. Um, And a lot of women have trouble seeing themselves as bold or even seeing that that's a good thing. Um, But 
God makes us bold when he's calling us to do what he's called us to do. And it's going to take risk in our lives and, and stepping out. Um, so I talk about being a woman of, of bold faith. On the subject of boldness, can, can, you, can you address a little bit about how boldness and humility take up the same space yes. because yeah. boldness doesn't necessarily mean you lack humility. I very good. And in fact, you know, I think Christians have really struggled with understanding biblical humility. And sometimes, you know, Christians have mixed up humility with insecurity. <laughs> Or timidity, <laughs> we're like not you said. to be, yeah, we're not to be timid or insecure, and and in particular, women have struggled with this more than men, and I I think it has to do with our hearts are to be submitted to our husbands, and then we just get it all twisted inside, and the enemy knows that, and he would love to keep us a doormat. In fact, if you look across the earth and how much violence has been done against women, you know that the enemy hates women, and the enemy wants to keep women silent. And the enemy wants to keep them where they don't fulfill their purpose in Christ. And so boldness is standing up and saying, just like Isaiah did, you know, here am I, send me. Uh, boldness is being willing to be an Amy Carmichael and go to a foreign nation and rescue people. It took boldness, just like it took boldness of Mother Teresa um, to minister to the poor in India. And uh, that, that boldness is something that is required for everyone who will fulfill their destiny in Christ. And the joy of walking in humble boldness is humility is really having a proper perspective of who God is and who you are. So when you really know that God is amazingly above and beyond and that that you rise up in the fullness of who you are, uh, it's amazing. Um, it gives you that perspective. Um, humility doesn't hang its head. Humility stands up tall and rises to become the person that God created each of us to, do, to be and all the things he's called us to do. I know we took a little tour, uh, a little detour uh, from from the topics of 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 your book into uh, yeah. into boldness and humility. So go ahead and, and wrap up that part and finish up what uh, what topics are covered in the yeah. book. Yeah, well, the the last topic really has to do with overcoming disappointment and loss, and how do you become expectant? And my friend Rhonda. <laughs> shares her story of losing her 13-year-old son to a terrible car accident where her 16-year-old son was driving and just the pain of the loss. You know, she was a mom of nine children. And in fact, she was 
a writer and an editor in a local newspaper, and she wrote about her family, and she wrote about life um, in the cornfields of Illinois, Uh, but the pain was so deep that she couldn't go back to how life used to be because her son, Dan, was no longer there. And so I, I conclude with that that chapter. And, oh, I tell you, my eyes were weeping as I read it. And just the, the power of, of how God healed her heart. Um, and I know there's so many listeners that they have lost loved ones. And, and how do you go forward and and this really brings about um, an expectancy in who God is and how he leads us. How do you hope readers are changed after they read Women Who Move Mountains? Well, first, I know they will be changed. I mean, I really know that if they pick up the book and if they begin the journey, you know, the process, they're going to be changed. Because the Word of God does not come back void. And so just by applying the Word to your life, uh, you're going to be changed. And I believe, um, I think, I think just because of the transparency of all of these stories, the women are going to know they're not alone, that, that really this is something that there are others that are walking with them and have gone before them. And I think that's going to be fabulous. And then I also think there's a whole group of women and they might be listening right now where they want to make a difference in other people's lives. They want to go deeper in friendship with other women. Um, They want to learn to pray. And I really think God's going to lead you to just get some girlfriends together or um, organize it within your church or organize it in your neighborhood. And um, I believe some real lasting relationships are going to come out of this women with women, but also greater intimacy and relationship with God. The book is Women Who Move Mountains, Praying with Confidence, Boldness, and Grace by Sue Detweiler. Sue, thanks for hanging out with us. Joe, can I pray for the listeners right now? Certainly, I just, let's do that. I, 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 before I pray, I just want to say, I believe that, that as you've been listening, one particular area has been highlighted in your, in your mind. And you have thought, if only I could overcome this. I believe that the Lord's just sent me to put hope in your heart and that it's not by your striving or making it happen, but it is by the grace of God. So, Father, I just pray right now over each listening heart that they would not feel condemnation, that that cloud, that oppression that might press them down and make them feel like they're under it. We just, we command that, that dark cloud to lift off of their heads. And Father, I pray for the sunlight, the rays of sunshine to just break through. And that, that fog that's been over their brain and their thinking, I just pray for a clarity of thought and heart. 
And Lord, I pray that you would reach in and in those areas where there's been so much wounding and pain and brokenness. And and Lord, you've done so much already, but God, we just ask for more in their heart, just more. Put that hunger for intimacy in their heart. Put that hunger to go deeper with you, God, in their heart. And I believe, Holy Spirit, that you're able to begin the transformation now, right now, in Jesus' name. Sue's website is suedetweiler.com, and Women Who Move Mountains and her other books can be found on Amazon.com. These links, as well as all the other links, can be found in today's show notes at onfaithsedge.com slash 77. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 77. Well, that'll wrap up today's show. Thank you to Sue Detweiler for being with us, and thank you for listening. You mean a lot to me, and you mean a lot to the show. Remember, God is real. He loves you, and so do I. God bless. Thank you for listening to On Faith's Edge. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher Internet Radio, or your favorite podcast app on Android, Apple, or Windows devices. To reach out to Joe or leave comments about the show, visit onfaithsedge.com. You're important to us, and we would love to hear from you. 